You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Today's episode of Locked on Wolves is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy Timberwolves game day. The Wolves are back home after playing in Brooklyn on Monday. They're back home to take on the New York Knicks. Um, and the first time the Wolves have seen the Knicks, of course, since the final game of the Ryan Saunders era, uh, that was the the close late loss to the Knicks was the final straw uh, before Gerson Rosas fired Ryan Saunders following that game, um, I don't know, roughly six weeks ago. So we'll actually finish the show today with a quick Wolves-Knicks preview. Um, so we will talk about what New York's been up to and, and how that last game went down. Um, the first part of the show today, though, I want to talk about a couple of league wide notes, Timberwolves related notes as well. A couple of former Timberwolves finding new teams midseason. Um, also some new dates related to the NBA draft lottery and the NBA draft itself. There previously had not been dates announced. Um, so I want to hit all those things off the top in case you missed it. And then I want to get into a conversation about the Timberwolves net rating this season. There's a great graphic posted um, by Positive Ridge- Residual, excuse me, Positive Residual on Twitter. Um, and basically it's it's line graphs that, that are charting um, teams net ratings and 10 game ruling intervals throughout the season. So it's got all 30 NBA teams on the list and it, it paints an interesting picture for the Timberwolves. So I want to hit on that and what the peak peaks and valleys of what the Timberwolves have done so far this year um, really tells us about the Wolves season to this point. And then again, we'll finish with the Wolves Knicks preview. So that's what we'll do here on the show today. And then of course, following the Knicks game this evening, we will have a post game pod post immediately following the game to make sure that you don't miss it. Make sure that you are subscribed to Lockdown Wolves anywhere you get pod t- podcasts. Of course, that includes iTunes and Spotify. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon is my account. That's B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C K E N. Okay, let's dive into these notes here off the top. So, a couple of old friends, former Timberwolves players who were on obviously other teams to start the season who uh, were, were, one was traded and then they were both waived. Uh, Jeff Teague was traded from Boston where he had, I, I think the definition of a roller coaster s- season. Um, although I think Celtics fans were, you know, Celtics fans who thought they were getting a steal at the veterans minimum, I believe is what Teague signed for last off season. And then man, uh, did not have had a few really difficult games for Boston, but they traded him to Orlando at the deadline. He was waived by Orlando and is now signing with the Milwaukee bucks who are always kind of churning those last few spots on their roster. Um, he was, uh, Teague was a, a, a roster or excuse me, a salary match part of the Evan Fournier trade that brought Fournier to the Celtics. And, um, this season he started five games for the Celtics, averaged about seven and two and 18 minutes a game and continued basically playing like he did in Minnesota, obviously in, in shorter playing time. So he'll be play behind Drew Holiday. And of course the, the Bucks head coaches, Mike Budenholzer, who coached Teague with Atlanta for a couple of seasons before Teague ultimately left in free agency and came to Minnesota. So there's that. There's also Gorgie Jang, who has been with Memphis since the Wolves traded him there at last year's deadline and kind of had a a bit role there with the Grizzlies. Didn't really fit how they wanted to play. They've got lots of young big man depth in Memphis. So he was released by or waived by the the Memphis Grizzlies 
and had multiple teams trying to sign him. Um, Gorgie was quoted as saying it was like college recruiting all over again. Everybody's, you know, basically trying to pitch why their situation is the best. He ultimately decided to go to the San Antonio Spurs, and it's really hard to argue with that. Could definitely see why Gorgie is such a great fit there. Uh, you know, who knows what his role is going to be, but he talked highly about the about the opportunity to play for Greg Popovich, obviously. And it's, I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge, of course, has moved on. Um, he was let go by the Spurs. He is signing or did sign with the Brooklyn Nets and will be playing surely in the next couple of weeks, although he hasn't played in about a month. And Gorgie, I don't know that he's going to necessarily assume the Aldridge role. I mean, the Spurs have been playing without LMA for a while now, but Gorgie should have the opportunity to earn some minutes with the Spurs. And he's always felt like a very Spursy type player, you know, very intelligent, um, can shoot the mid-range jumper, a big that can shoot corner threes, solid rebounder, decent shot blocker, just kind of a, you know, a good teammate, uh, blue collar type guy. And that fits with what Popovich and the Spurs do. So a great match there for Gorgian. Good to see him get that, uh, get that, that job with, with, with a good team. I mean, Gorgie hasn't played on a playoff team in his career, other than the one season, the Wolves went to the playoffs with Jimmy Butler. So good for Gorgie. Obviously everybody loves Gorgie from his time in Minnesota. So very good to see. Um, and then lastly, some key notes or key dates, I should say, related to the 2021 draft. Officially, the draft lottery will be Tuesday, June 22nd. So eh, about five weeks or so beyond when it usually is in May. Of course, this last year it was in in the fall sometime, I think. I don't know. It's all It all runs together. Of course, the draft was in November. This year, the draft lottery is June 22nd. The draft itself is Thursday, July 29th. So pretty much exactly five weeks beyond when the lottery is in June. So late June lottery, late July draft, as the NBA is now squarely between where the dates were last year and where they typically are. And, you know, there's the NCAA is now putting out their own uh, early, their uh, early entry and application deadlines and, um, or excuse me, the NBA announced that then the NCAA is going to tell players when they need to withdraw from the draft by. So all that's still coming. The draft combine will be back this year after not existing last year. And then they did some, you know, a, a virtual solution, which certainly wasn't anything resembling what the combine usually is, but that'll be mo- uh, Monday, June 21st through Sunday, June 27th. So the lottery takes place during the combine. Uh, so that'll be of course, an event that's typically televised on ESPN and is fun to watch if you're a fan of college basketball and, and a draft nerd and or a draft nerd. So dates to mark on your calendar for sure. Of course, we'll know then. Uh, I you know, Unfortunately, this is likely to be the date when the Wolves lose their draft pick. If, and, and I say likely because there's what? Almost a 60% chance that the Wolves do not get to keep their pick if it falls out, if they're still one of the league's three worst teams when it's all said and done, which at this point, it's starting to seem more and more likely or it literally is getting more and more likely by the game, then um, there's only a 40-ish percent chance they stay in the top three. If they're not in the top three, they lose their pick to Golden State. And that's the night when we'll find out for sure. And hey, if the Wolves land at four, they get to keep their pick, then everybody will be happy. And it'll be the second year in a row that the Wolves actually really, in all for all intents and purposes, won the lottery. And that's not something that's happened very often in Timberwolves history. So key dates to mark on your calendar as you look ahead to the off season and, and two thirds of the way through this season. I think we're all starting to do that a little bit. We're going to start to cover, cover the draft a little bit more here at locked on wolves as we get, you know, through March madness, everybody gets a chance to watch some of these players. You know, of course, Kate Cunningham was knocked out in the second round. Jalen Suggs is still playing. There's a lot of these big names that have gotten a little bit more exposure now. And so, it, you know, it's time to start talking about them as the Wolves start to look towards the end of their season. Um, we'll do just that here at Locked On Wolves. Okay, next, I want to talk about the Wolves net rating roller coaster, what that looks like, what it has looked like so far this season. 
First, though, let's talk about the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. And this week, it's a it's a player who has not won this award yet on the show. And that is Jade McDaniels, the Wolves, quote unquote, other rookie, who, of course, has actually played better, all things considered, than the number one overall pick, Anthony Edwards. But McDaniels has suddenly become a key member of the rotation after having not really, I mean, early in the, uh, the Chris Finch tenure as head coach, Jane McDaniels was almost out of the rotation. He had a couple games. He played under 15 minutes. He had one game. He only played eight minutes. And now recently over the last four games, he's moved back into the starting lineup and he is a huge part of what the Timberwolves are doing. Um, and I mean, the Michelob ultra player of the week, of course, is always a player that can provide joy, happiness, enjoyment. Jade McDaniels does all those things and he provides those things for Timberwolves fans who are looking for a glimmer of hope. Over the past week, Jade McDaniels in four starts has averaged 12 and a half points, four and a half rebounds, one and a half assists, two blocks per game, shot 57% from beyond the arc. He's made eight threes over the past week on 14 attempts and he's shooting an insane 58.8% from the field and scored 13 or more points over the last three games. Again, as a member of the starting lineup, and I'm sure he will be moving forward for the foreseeable future. So a fantastic week for Jaden McDaniels, providing lots of hope for Timberwolves fans and continuing to embody the joy, happiness, and enjoyment that the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week always embodies. Michelob Ultra reminds you that it's only worth it if you enjoy it. 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success. And enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. As Michelob Ultra wants to remind you, are you happy because you win? Or do you win because you're happy? Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Okay, um, let's talk about this net rating thing. So this is put out by Positive Residual, which is a Twitter account. Uh, sports analytics and strategy. They've been cited on the nylon calculus, which is over at fan side clean the glass as well as at the ringer and uh, you know, fantastic um, resource really. And they put out a graphic on um, let's see, this was, this was uh, kind of middle of the day on Tuesday of this week, net rating in 10 game rolling intervals. They note in the, in the copy along with the graphic on the tweet that the Jazz, Sixers, and Clippers are the best in the NBA in terms of double-digit positive net ratings. The Cavs, Wolves, and Thunder are bottom eight, all with negative eight or worse net ratings. Um, according to Basketball Reference, the Wolves are 29th in net rating in the league. But what this graph does, or, the, or these charts, I should say, is it really kind of tells the narrative of the seasons. So like with Houston, you can tell, oh, James Harden was traded roughly around the 20-game mark. Things tanked. They've been climbing up slowly since then um, in terms of net rating. Again, this isn't wins and losses. And the baseline, of course, is zero. And so that's clear on here as well. The Timberwolves have been below zero all season long. In fact, outside of Detroit and Oklahoma City and uh, in Cleveland, those are really the only teams that have consistently been below zero, a, a negative net rating throughout the season. Um, and that's continued for Minnesota. Uh, the Timberwolves peak, actually, in terms of, again, 10-game rolling intervals is is higher than Cleveland's and a little bit higher than OKC's. The crazy thing about this, and, I, and I'm in the middle of writing about this for Dunking with Wolves, is that that peak of their season in terms of net rating is right about when they fired Ryan Saunders or, or just prior to fi- firing him. Um, go back and look at the Timberwolves' schedule and their results just prior to to Ryan Saunders firing. 
The Timberwolves had gone 13 consecutive games from the end of January to when Saunders was fired in in mid-February. Let's see, the date he was fired on was uh, February 21st. So almost four weeks without losing by double digits, which I understand is not like, that's not how we measure success. If you, if you don't lose by double digits, it doesn't count as a win. I get that the close late losses were a thing and it's part of the reason Saunders was fired. But there's a big difference between losing by single digits consistently and consistently getting blown out. And when you look at the rest of the season, that's the peak of the Wolves season, as disappointing as that is, that kind of the the repetitive drumbeat of close losses was super frustrating in the moment. But look back on it, and I mean, I'm not going to say I'm looking back fondly on it, but I mean, this is, you know, they beat the Cavs. They lost to the Cavs by two. They lost to the Spurs by three. They beat the Thunder. They lost by two to the Thunder. They only lost by five to the Mavs in a close game. They lost to the Clippers by seven. No shame in that. They lost to the Hornets by six. They beat the Raptors. Um, overtime loss to the Pacers. Like there's this kind of, yeah, it was frustrating. It absolutely was frustrating. In the second to last game that Saunders coached, that was that 86 to 81, just hideous loss to the Raptors at Target Center after just beating them a week before. I mean, there were some bad games in there, but they were all close games over the past couple of weeks of Saunders tenure. And this isn't an argument that, hey, Saunders shouldn't have been fired. I'm not trying to argue that at all. Uh, just simply stating that how crazy is it when you look at the the ebbs and flows of the season, the roller coaster that the season has been, net rating is, is what we have to tell the story because if you describe the season as a roller coaster, that implies that there have been high points. And outside of the 2 0 start, there really haven't been any high points. You're talking about Towns' injury. You're talking about Towns' COVID diagnosis. You're talking about uh, Juancho's COVID diagnosis, Ricky Rubio missing games for health and safety protocols, and now Akogi, Jordan McLaughlin, all these guys recently. You're talking about D'Angelo Russell's injury. And Anthony Edwards, I guess, would be the other, the only other thing that would be positive, the 42 point game, you know, some, the win over the Suns. There've been a couple of good things along the way, certainly uh, the development of Jade McDaniels, of course, but this, the, the record has largely stayed the same, the winning percentage outside of the two and zero start, you know, the Wolves were two and six, two and seven, actually at one point. And then since then, the winning percentage has stayed roughly in that 25, you know, peaking near 30% range. And it's been bad. There haven't been any peaks in this peaks and valleys. There haven't been any hills. You know, there's there's no hilltops on this roller coaster, right? Um, not to this point outside of the 2-0 start. And so when you look at the net rating graph that uh, that was put up by Positive Residual, it's at least, you know, granted, the peaks and valleys are all below zero, right? They're below that baseline, that zero net rating, but there's still an up and a down and a, a higher up and a further down. And now they're working their way back up in terms of net rating in these 10 game intervals. And that's the true roller coaster. Even if the standard, even if the curve has them way lower than where they should be in terms of success, and they have not been successful this year by any stretch of the imagination, there have been ups and downs in terms of net rating and how they've played it. It paints the picture of have they been competitive throughout the season? Uh, when have they been most competitive? And the answer is right before Ryan Saunders was fired. And nobody at the time, I shouldn't say nobody, most people at the time wouldn't have argued, hey, they shouldn't have fired Ryan Saunders. I mean, the team's record at the time of his firing was 7-24. and 24. So yeah, I mean, you get fired if your team goes 7-24. and 24. Now they're 4-12 and 12 since then under Chris Finch, which is only slightly better than the winning percentage that Saunders had. Basically the same. And the schedule's actually been a little bit easier overall. Um, so 
again, the, the, the point of this isn't to argue that Saunders shouldn't have been fired or anything of that nature. It's just to point out that there have still been peaks and valleys, even if they've all kind of remained, you know, uh, below, below sea level, I guess, if you will. Um, and this net rating chart on Twitter does a really good job of, of showing that some of the more interesting ones, uh, you know, I mentioned Houston where it's very clear. You can see what happened there. Miami, of course, with the terrible start, the injuries, Butler being out, and then there's steady climbs since then. Um, you know, Dallas also a terrible start, their terrible defense. And then more recently, I guess there's been a slight downturn, but for the most part, climbing since then. Phoenix with the hot start, a little bit of a, a downturn kind of gradually since then. Utah, they're still one of the league's best teams, but their net rating kind of tanked over the past few weeks. And now they're working their way back up. They're back to a plus 12. So kind of fun to look at these. Um, and and just seeing them in these 10 game intervals and in this graph form is is uh, really intriguing. So be sure to head over to Positive Residual on Twitter. It's at P Residual. P is in Positive Residual on Twitter. So go check out that chart. Um, okay, I want to wrap the show today by talking about the matchup against the aforementioned New York Knicks on Wednesday night at Target Center. So that's what we'll do next. First though, let's talk about our great friends at Built Bar. Of course, I've been talking about Built Bar now for well over a year. It is the protein bar that tastes exactly like a candy bar. Every single Built Bar has 100% chocolate. They're all low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high in fiber, and they taste amazing. Uh, we're just wrapping up Built Bar Madness. In fact, the championship is this Thursday on the 1st. Um, on Wednesday, the matchup is between mint brownie and coconut brownie chunk to find out who will take on the winner on the other side of the bracket. As of this recording, I don't have the results of cookies and cream versus cookie dough chunk on the left side of the bracket on the flavorful four. Either one of them would be a worthy opponent for surely it'll be coconut brownie chunk going to the championship. Coconut brownie chunk is hands down my favorite, um, even though mint brownie is also delicious. So we'll see which bar takes on the winner of cookies and cream and cookie dough chunk in the final. Be sure to head over to builtbar.com to check out the bracket and vote yourself. Also at bar underscore built on Twitter, you can check out the bracket and vote there as well. And then if you're going to purchase some bars, which you should, remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Also, BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over. But the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And baseball starts this week. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props and almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, I already talked about the NBA draft a little bit today. You can get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Okay, let's talk about Wolves-Knicks. Of course, the Wolves took on the Knicks, uh, I don't know, a little over a month ago, five weeks ago now at Madison Square Garden and they fell to those New York Knicks in the final coach or the final game of former head coach Ryan Saunders tenure. This was almost a clinic in how to collapse late game and the Wolves were down significantly. They were down uh, 16 actually at the start of the fourth quarter did the thing where they make the comeback and actually took a brief lead late in the game. Um, and I, 
I wonder what Gerson Rosas was, what was going through his mind. Would he have fired him after win, just like uh, Glenn Taylor did with Tom Thibodeau after the win over the Lakers January of 2019, which is, I don't know, crazy that it was still only two years ago when Tom Thibodeau coached the Timberwolves just over two years ago. But the Wolves actually took a 98 to 97 lead in this game and a pair of Carl Anthony Towns free throws with a minute 44 left. Then both teams traded empty possessions. Julius Randle hit a couple of free throws after a foul by Towns with just over 30 seconds to play. And then the Wolves failed to execute down the stretch. Towns missed a, a, a tough shot in the post. The Knicks got the rebound, made a couple of free throws. The Wolves were down three and they fouled, the Knicks fouled up three with 17 seconds left. Rubio made one of two free throws and then that was basically the game. Um, the Knicks came back down made both of their free throws and it was a four point margin and the Wolves fell by four to the Knicks again in a game that they fell way behind in made a furious comeback had a chance to win and then even took a late lead in the final two minutes and could not execute down the stretch the last time these two teams played this was just pre Malik Beasley suspension just two games before his suspension he was actually not good at all in this game remember the Knicks had a great plan to slow him down Tom Thibodeau clearly came into this game saying Towns is going to get his Let's slow down Malik Beasley. Malik attempted six shots in this game. He played 38 minutes, didn't have foul trouble, attempted six shots, and had six points, four rebounds, two of four outside the arc. Towns had 27 and 15 with four assists and three blocks, was in a little bit of foul trouble himself, did shoot nine of 18 from the floor, made three threes on seven attempts. Rubio had 18 points, six assists. So Towns and Rubio were both great. And then off the bench, Nas Reed had 11. Nobody else had more than eight points. This was before Jalen Noel really kicked it into gear. He had no points on 11 minutes, or in 11 minutes, I should say, 0 of 6 shooting. And remember, Ryan Saunders had kind of started to edge Jalen Noel out of the rotation just prior to his firing. And so, um, you know, we had eight minutes of Josh Kogi in this one, seven of Jake Lehman. Wancho played 10 minutes. This was just kind of a weird spread around the minutes game um, in terms of the rotation. And uh, the Wolves ended up losing by four. As for the Knicks, Julius Randle had 25 and 14. was fantastic. He's almost certainly going to be the most improved player award winner this year. RJ Barrett had 21 points and four rebounds in this game. Every single Knicks player scored in double digits. And Alec Burks had 13 points off the bench for the Knicks. Uh, Since this point in time, the Knicks after beating the Wolves were 15 and 16. They've been above 500 since then. They're now 24 and 23 on the season. And that puts them fifth in the Eastern Conference. They're a solid playoff team. I was wrong about them preseason. I thought, you know, Tibbs is a good coach. Never would argue that he isn't. Um, But is there any, you know, was there any world in which the Knicks are going to be a playoff team? I would have argued no. And I would have been wrong. I did argue no, actually, if you go back and listen to the over-under pod or the, excuse me, yeah, the win total over-under pod preseason back in late December, I'm very confident that I had the Knicks as an under, but I wasn't going to bet on them because I, you know, I, I, I thought the Knicks maybe could be a little better than expected, but would still, you know, certainly not be a playoff team. I was wrong. They're a playoff team. Julius Randle has been amazing. He's been better than I expected. Uh, the young players have played hard for Tibbs. Tibbs has mostly been willing to play young players with the Knicks. Um, Obi, Obi Toppin is only playing 12 minutes a game, which I think is disappointing and a bit of a surprise to Knicks fans. But the fact that they're over 500 is not disappointing. So I think that for the most part, Knicks fans are dealing with it just fine. Um, Reggie Bullock's had a bit of a resurgence for the Tom Thibodeau coached Knicks. Nerlens Noel has been fantastic defensively under Tibbs. Of course, Taj Gibson joined the team midseason has been very good. More recently, Mitchell Robinson was ruled out for the season with a foot fracture, and that's a huge blow. He was arguably their best player this side of Julius Randle um, during the first part of the season because of what he brought to the floor defensively much more so than an offense, but he had such an impact defensively. It was not 
crazy to make that case. Um, and, and obviously, you know, RJ Barrett's been good and, and there's been guys on this team that have been very good from an offensive perspective, but the, the defense of Mitchell Robinson was significant. The rebounding impact that he brought to the game, uh, for a team that overall, you know, is a good rebounding team. But again, Mitchell Robinson was a big part of that. Derek Rose is questionable. Of course, he joined the Knicks midway through the season after starting the year with the Pistons. He's only played in 12 games for the Knicks, averaging 13 points a game, shooting 44% from three shades of Derek Rose's, uh, second season in Minnesota, at least the way that that season started. And he's questionable to play against the Wolves on Wednesday night. So we'll see if he's available for the Knicks. Um, so all things considered, this is a tough matchup. I mean, the Knicks are a good team. They're better defensively than they are offensively. They're a top five defensive team. They've been bottom 10 offensively all season. Um, but again, without Mitchell Robinson, they're a little bit less dynamic defensively. Although Nerlens Noel has been very good and Taj has done well in a limited role off the bench for them. Um, so a difficult matchup for Minnesota, certainly a winnable game you know, a team that's hovering around 500 and, and has maybe outperformed what they're able to do. They do play at the league's slowest pace. So it does play into the Wolves' hands to try and play as fast as possible against the Knicks. And the Wolves remain one of the league's faster paced teams. They have the ability to do that. The tricky thing is that the Knicks are a really good rebounding team, both defensively and offensively. So the Wolves need to make sure that they're still crashing the glass and securing rebounds before they're taking off down the court. Um, the defensive-minded, you know, slow-paced Knicks is such a weird throwback, and the fact it's coached by Tibbs, you know, it's it'll be really interesting to see how this one plays out because I think Chris Finch, there could be a bit of a chess match with how Tibbs wants to slow down Malik Beasley, who of course has struggled in his two games back from his suspension and struggled the last time the Wolves faced the Knicks, and also Towns, um, who teams have been doubling relentlessly over the past several weeks. How will that, how will Tibbs choose to guard those, those guys? Um, you know, they held the Wolves under hundred points in their win over Minnesota last time around. So Tibbs will no doubt have a, uh, an interesting game plan ready to go. Chris Finch is something of an offensive mastermind. So we'll see what he puts together to counter that. And hopefully we move ever closer to D'Angelo Russell rejoining the team, um, or, or I should say joining the, or getting on the court with the team as he continues to, to practice, get on court workouts in. Hopefully we're only a few days away from seeing D'Lo back on the floor and also Josh Okogie, wish him well. Of course, he's still in the COVID-19 health and safety protocol. So at this point, they're both are not likely to be available on Wednesday, but that could always change between when I'm recording this and when the game takes place. Um, of course, be sure you're subscribed to Lockdown Wolves, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, including iTunes or Spotify. We'll be back with the post-game pod following Wolves Knicks on Wednesday, win or lose. We'll do uh, game takeaways, game flow, and individual studs and duds from the game. So be sure you're subscribed wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. You can also follow in Locked on T-Wolves on Twitter and also at BBeacon. I live tweet, live tweet a little bit during games, provide some commentary. So be sure you're following at BBeacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. A reminder that today's episode of Locked on Wolves was brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. That's all we have for you today here at Locked On Wolves. Thanks again for listening. Of course, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The Locked On Network is all your local experts on the biggest stories. We'll be back after the game Wednesday. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves Podcast, and we'll catch you next time.